Hi, I'm Marielle Hemingway. As a mental health advocate and author, I love books. Books have the capacity to inspire, educate, transform, and ultimately help readers all over the world. So if you want to publish your book or if you need help writing your story, I highly recommend Mindstir Media, rated the number one best book publisher around the country. Mindstir Media can help you no matter where you are in the book writing or publishing process. Go to mindstermedia.com to learn more and schedule a consultation. This episode is brought to you by Mindster Media and the Sunrise segment of the Outcomes of Sun podcast radio. And now, Out Comes the Sun with Mariel Hemingway and Melissa Yamaguchi. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Outcomes the Sun podcast with my co-host, Melissa Yamaguchi, and myself. Anyway, I'm glad you're here. I couldn't be more excited about this show. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I feel that way about every show, but this one just, it it hit me. We have an interview soon with uh, an extraordinary human, John Sane. So cool. Wow. Anyway. But that leads me into our conversation that we had the other day when we when I was walking on the beach and you were walking in your neighborhood mm-hmm. about AI and like what that means for the future. Because there's been a lot of things that have come up of late. Oh, yeah. We have that conversation. Oh, yeah. Especially the conversation we're going to have with Sunai, John. And also because I think, you know, this is a conversation about the world's not going to change. Right. Yep. Artificial intelligence is not going away. It's going to get, and and John in his talk, I heard him speak uh, in person, Mm -hmm. talks about how, you know, everything will be free at some point. Travel will be free. This will be free. That'll be free. You'll be able to go any place in the world. It will all be just a, it will be a different world, right? And it's adjusting to that difference. And you're either going to be afraid of it Right. Or you're going to embrace it. And I say, let's embrace it. Let's. But what's great about John is that he gives us tools on how, you know, on how you go about accepting the future and accepting the change that is already here. It's not like it's coming. It's here. You know, when we when we were kids, they had the Jetsons. (laughs) And I remember always thinking it'd be so cool if we had like Rosie the robot so that I wouldn't have to do dishes and all that. I just remember thinking as a kid, how as a kid, I wasn't afraid of it. And I remember, you know, now if I looked back on that and that were a show that were being shown to my children today, I would hope that I would be as excited about it. Because I remember being a kid thinking how cool it would be to get in like like Elroy and and his dog and like an Astro and like shoot off. I just thought the whole thing was so fun looking. I felt the same way. I was Oh my gosh, it just seems so cool. And I, so when I read now about some of the reactions to AI, listen, I'm not going to try to put up a false front. I understand some of the trepidation because it's fear of the unknown. But we have gone through so much evolution in our lives um, since the history of time been recorded. When you look back, 
were our ancestors to come forward today and say, hey, listen, I never thought there'd be light. I certainly never thought there'd be electricity outside of the fire. I never thought that the woolly mammoth wouldn't be walking around the neighborhood. I never thought. So we we have progressed and each progression, we've had to let go of fear. And I think some of the fear mongering of your jobs are gonna be taken and you're, they're already being taken. You, so you have to create a new, what's new for me? If I can no longer be the mechanic or the teacher or the, if I can, or the surgeon, because AI is able to, they're able to create some robotic is it repositioning where that can be, it, it cuts down on the labor force. Now, what do I date? Now, who am I? I think that's kind of, that's what's scary for people more than anything. The fear mongering that we're hearing about, Mariel, that I often read about and hear on the news is you won't know what you can trust. You won't be able to trust what you can see and trust what you can hear because it may not be the person. Let's say, let's say that you and I are running against each other in, in politics. And then I say, Oh gosh, Meryl's ahead of me in the polls, whatever the polls are, she's ahead of me. And I need to, I need to slander her somehow, which is the, the political chess game that's played so often. What can I do? Because I have nothing in record of Meryl doing anything untoward. Hmm. So I now can create a false video yeah. of you and have your, you could be, you could have in real life been saying, the sun in your eyes, the sand in your toes, but I can somehow adjust it to where now it looks like you're saying something salacious, right? So what can people learn to trust? And I, I love the, I love the, uh, the uh, promise and the opportunity that we w do not have to be reliant upon this, but that we can, again, trust our own minds, trust our own thoughts, trust our own brain and re-evolve it and move it in a, in a way that we adjust for the future. I think it's exciting. I think it's exciting too. And, and the way that you do that, and John goes into detail about this, um, the way that you do that is through finding silence. And I, I mean, how often do we talk about it here? It's just those simple things that the more that you create a sense of presence, meaning I am here right now, I am who I am in the moment, and that I'm nobody else but right here. And I'm nowhere else but right here. And, and he talks about you kind of not existing, like finding many times during the day where you can let go of the personality, the, 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 the person that you become or that your situational trauma has made you become yes. and let go of it. Like just by being still, but connecting either with nature or God or your beliefs, whatever it is, it's very cool. And I find it super exciting because I also think it's the way that we won't age. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because and and that's not a vanity standpoint. That's a that's saying if I am always of the curious childlike mind, if I'm always new in the world then then I'm always new in the world. I'm not aging. I'm not getting. And it doesn't mean that those that time doesn't go on right. and it does. But but there's this excitement. I think that what you see in in, you know, I read something yesterday about some woman who lived to one hundred and twenty two. And, um, you know, they were it was one of those things like she smoked cigarettes, she drank coffee, <laughs> she had, you know, it was like crazy. Now, those aren't good things to do. But what 
what kept her from aging and having a bad attitude about life was that what was the fact that she didn't allow stress to get her she let she let excuse me s-h-i-t go she let go she let things go so that she could just she just wasn't affected she was like yeah if i can't do something about it it's just not my problem to deal with now that is a and we'll hear from john if that's a hard she she was that's her hardware worked like not everybody's does most people there's guilt and shame and we've been you know whatever throughout our lives so it, it's tough to get to that place of no mind but wow i mean it's extraordinary we're so powerful right we're yeah. so incredibly powerful we you know uh, i i think the freedom comes in letting and in, in erasing all that it does and i know it's hard to do because we've been we've been raised to think a certain way pray a certain way believe a certain way and try and giving yourself permission to break away from that can be sometimes fearful but Absolutely. scary i mean but yeah embrace the unknown as alfred e newman said what me worry <laughs> let it go let it go oh my gosh so exciting up next we are speaking to the incredible john sanai sanai yes s-a-n-e-i he's incredible i'm so excited i'm so excited for everyone to hear him and to get excited about him and to get excited about you and the ideas that he is going to share with us so stay tuned we will be right back Good morning, Santa Barbara. You're listening to The Morning Show with Mariel Hemingway and Melissa Yamaguchi, that'd be me, right here on KZSB 96.9 FM and 1290 AM in Santa Barbara. Hi, it's Kevin Nealon. I have a new book out now called I Exaggerate My Brushes with Fame. It's a collection of my caricatures and accompanying anecdotes. Also, if that's not enough for you, I have a little hiking show on YouTube. It's a web series. It's called Hiking with Kevin. But more importantly, right now, you're listening and watching Out Comes the Sun with Mariel Hemingway and Melissa Yamaguchi. Enjoy. Well, hello, everyone. This is so exciting. We have such a great guest. I had the incredible pleasure of hearing him in person, John Sanai, and we were in Colorado at an event for NABA, a uh, whole other conversation. But um, <laughs> he is a highly acclaimed future strategist, best-selling author, global keynote speaker, Singularity University and Duke corporate education faculty member, associate partner at the Copenhagen Institute for Future Studies, a transformation specialist and a bold change maker. So you're, I mean, those are big concepts, but really your, your talk is so extraordinary. First of all, you're a wonderful speaker. So thank you for that. Because as being a speaker myself, I was just like, wow, I need to learn that. <laughs> Anyway, uh, but you, you know, 
you may or may not know this. This podcast is kind of focused on mental health, but I think mental health is everything you do. It's like how you think and, you know, and your your talk is really about moving into the future. Like what what how are we thinking? Because the future is not going to go away. AI is not going to go away. All these new things that were, you know, we're part of a generation that might be afraid of those things. They're not going anywhere. So how do you how do you address that from from the standpoint of how do you shift your thinking? Well, thank you so much. Uh, it was wonderful to meet you as well at the event. And thank you so much for the kind words. It's wonderful to be on your show. I started off my life as an early adopter. I've always been an early adopter to the point where my friends Many times, every time they saw me, they would say, so what's new, John? What's next, John? Almost taunting me to try and explain to them what's the newest, latest brand, restaurant, whatever it is that I had found. So I've always had this sort of uncanny ability to preempt the future in some ways or extrapolate current technologies into the future. So that's just inherent in me. And I guess I've been telling stories about the future as far back as I can remember from school. Uh, doing talks at school all the way into the different businesses I had. I was always the partner in the business, inspiring and motivating our teams, entertaining our guests, whatever it may be, whatever business we were in. When, when I started speaking and lecturing at universities, which was about 10 years ago, I was incredibly excited about the future and would explain the future. And in those days, it was all about flying taxis and the metaverse. And we're talking of many years ago where all these things were really, like, really exciting to look at. But I would often leave the conferences and realize that the only excited person about this uncertain, exciting, undetermined future was me. <laughs> Most other people were petrified of it. Even though my slides were good, and as you said, I was a pretty good speaker. I mean, I'm a good storyteller, but somehow people were not as excited as I was. <laughs> and it, it, it like sort of bamboozled me to a certain extent because I, I couldn't understand why you would not be excited for a world like this. And the more research I did, the more I realized that actually it was the psychology that people had that was programming us not to celebrate uncertainty, but somehow being baked into an addiction to certainty. And this has been done all the way from school to organizational structures, to governmental structures, and even some religions, because they want you to have an absolute faith with zero questioning of the scenario. And that's really an addiction to certainty in many ways, right across all parts of our society. I'm not saying all religions are like that, I'm just saying some are. Then, after a few years of doing that, combining futurism with psychology, I wrote two books on that subject and that combination. I still would not see people excited about the future. And so over the last three years, I have been head in, like dived headfirst into neuroscience. And as you would recall from the talk, I explain psychology as software and neuroscience as hardware. And we, for the last hundred years, have utilized psychology to elevate our perspective, make us happier, help us heal trauma, et cetera, et cetera. And we've all read Carl Jung, Brenna Brown, Simon Sinek, and I'm fans of all of them. But the world is more anxious and afraid than ever before. Yeah. 
The pharmaceutical companies have tripled in value over the last 12 years. The the loneliness is now a, a, a epidemic of many sorts, which says to us something very clear, is that as the future becomes more complex, more uncertain, and more scary, software updates, more workshops on developing trauma healing are becoming less and less relevant, not on a point that they don't work, but almost moving too slow for the amount of change that's coming. It's almost like we're being forced and catalyzed into wanting to ascend or grow our consciousness as quickly as possible. So with the research that I did, I started to realize that software upgrades are not good enough and now we need hardware upgrades. It's almost like asking you to put iOS 16 into an iPhone 1. The iPhone 1 doesn't have the capacity to hold the amount of change and upgrades that iOS 16 has. So my research led me to neuroscience. And neuroscience is a fascinating topic because what it shows us is that our brains is very much a familiarity and energy saving machine. It is not an adaptable machine. It doesn't like adaptation because it wants to survive and save energy. And so we almost have to retrain, recalibrate and rethink how we think. And so this is really what you saw at the talk the other day is how do we go about upgrading our hardware so we can elevate our consciousness so that we can bring new solutions to a world that requires a new version of who we are. And I'll say the last piece on this, and then we can carry on with the discussion, <laughs> is there's two quotes. The first quote is from Einstein. He says, you cannot solve a problem from the same awareness that created it. And the world is in a state of panic, trying to figure out what the future looks like with the same level of awareness that was programmed into us in the Industrial Revolution, an almost, if not 100% impossible task. Second quote, Alvin Toffler, 1950s, he made a quote, he said, the illiterate of the 21st century will not be the ones who cannot read and cannot write, but the ones who cannot unlearn to relearn. So great. Yeah. And that's, so let's, what your talk, yeah. that's really what your, your talk was about. It's that unlearn to relearn, you know, like we've got to. Now, there's something interesting because when you spoke and even when you speak now, there's something about the energy with which you carry your yourself and your words that makes you feel excited about the future. I don't know what it is. Like maybe there's some like weird transmission happening, but I seriously, you, you create a world where you're excited about this newness. But I mean, I should, I think we should dig into this because what I think I know the answer, but I, I'd like you to explain it. What are, what is that technique? What is that thing that you need to do to the hardware? Like, what is it that creates new, you know, how do we make our hardware, you know, update? <laughs> that's, that's, that's a great, that's a great question. Yeah. But I want to sure. hear it from you. Sure. So I think first and foremost, thank you again for the kind words, but I think the excitement I have is anchored by a deep, deep necessity for responsibility for how you show up in the world. And what has happened is that people don't want to take the responsibility 
And the, the sort of extension of that is a state of depression or a state of cynicism. And so when you don't take that responsibility, your ability to respond, responsibility, you then are stuck in being triggered, complaining and shaming. So yes, I am excited. And in my talk, while I'm talking to you, I have also got certain techniques that I speak in that gives it a sense of rhythm and rhyme that gets you to want to be more engaged in the storytelling. And this is all done by design, but it's an upward spiral of excitement and responsibility. And as you're sitting in the audience, you're going, I am excited. Oh, but I have to take responsibility. Okay. I'm excited about the responsibility. Oh, he's giving me tools. Okay. I can now join this train of excitement rather than what most speakers do. And no disrespect to any speakers out there, they tell you what to do, not how to do it. And I think the what is Googleable. You can Google the what, you can watch it on TED Talk, you can watch it anywhere, but the how is the key. So let's get to the how. So science is proving to us that by the time we're 35 years old, we have between 60 and 70,000 thoughts a day. And 90% of these thoughts are the same. This is the sad part about our brains is that they just keep thinking the same things because it saves energy. And it's easier to have a habit than to think out of your current state. So let's think about what it is that creates our awareness. Our awareness is based on our personality. And our personality is very, very unique to every single one of us because our personalities create our personal realities. And in this process of our personality creating a personal reality, you have to realize then if your personal reality has to change, you have to change your personality. So how do you change your personality? Your personality is made up of how you think, act, and feel. And if you keep thinking 90% of the same thoughts you did yesterday, how are you going to keep thinking and acting and feeling into a new reality? You're not. You're going to keep repeating the same reality. Right. So you have to start thinking about thinking, literally thinking about what am I thinking? How am I thinking? Why am I repeating 90% of my thoughts? And how do I actually change that? So I can change my awareness and then have a new perspective of the future. So there's only two ways that science is now showing us that we can change our neuroscience. And under a brain scan, your brain, when it is in deep meditation or on psilocybin, magic mushrooms, your brain is doing exactly the same thing. It's relaxing. The highways that have concretified to create your personality start to relax. And now that they start to relax, you can start to build new highways. You can start to rewire and refire in new ways so that that 90% of repetition can move down to 50% of repetition, which means now you have 50% new thoughts rather than 10% new thoughts, which now means your personality starts to change, which means that your personal reality starts to change, which means that you've now unlearned to relearn to bring a new awareness to you so that the future, however uncertain it is, is exciting. And now I've got the energy to be curious and fascinated with building something new. So cool. That's so awesome. Go ahead, Melissa. I know you know, it's, it's fascinating. <laughs> and, I, and I sat here listening to you thinking at, at one point in my life, I come from a long line of educators. And <clears throat> I think a lot of the, our, our public school systems and our, and our, well, even private schools, there's a, there's a rote memorization that's put in place for the students. 
And so everything is just is put down that they, they are carrying forth what, what their grandparents probably learned in the same manner. And you talk about the neuroscience hardware recalibration. I kept thinking, we have so much lack of trust that's built in, whether it's used for political gain, as in fake news, the, the, the claim of fake news or the actual belief of fake news. How do we, in preparation for change that's coming with AI, how do we build trust when people don't know if they can trust what they're seeing or what they're hearing? How do we, rec how do we recalibrate the brain for that? Very, very good question, Melissa. Let me backtrack for you. And again, Mario, you'll remember this from the talk, but for 10,000 years as human beings, we were agricultural in our skill set. And the rules in the agricultural era were quite simple. Follow your forefathers, follow the seasons, work the fields, eat, be merry, and take some to the market and trade. The most important skill we had as human beings for 500 generations was our physicality. The stronger you were, the more you could work the fields, the more robust you were, the more you could feed yourself and your family. It was a simple equation. And our brains weren't really involved. We were following a system. I mean, not a system. We were following our forefathers. Obedience was very, very important back in those days. But then when the Industrial Revolution arrived 200 plus, plus 200 years ago, our power sources changed and we developed the steam engine and the combustion engine, which made our physicality irrelevant. And so what we had to do is we had to develop a new quotient. And we started to change the rules from follow the forefathers to follow the system. Mm. The system is education, organizations, governments, all those sort of things. We went from understand the seasons to become analytical and logical in your thinking. We went from working the fields to becoming addicted to certainty, efficiencies, and profitability. All of a sudden, the rules changed, and we went from PQ to IQ. And now, the higher your IQ is, the more you celebrate it, because in the system, the IQ is what gets you to be successful. Yes. Now, we arrive in the new era of the quantum age. In the quantum age, the rules now again need to change. Yeah. And we went from IQ to PQ. Now we into AQ. Why? Because the most important skill in the future will not be you fitting in, but fitting out. Why? Because fitting in is commoditized by technology. What does technology love? Pattern repetition and pattern recognition. What do they teach us at school and university? Pattern repetition and pattern recognition. So just like in the farms, the more physical you were, the more successful you become, the more you recognize patterns and pattern recognition and pattern repetition in the industrial era, the more you'd be celebrated. That's being disrupted just like the steam engine. Now, what you need is uniqueness, fascination, curiosity, imagination. Why? Because it's your uniqueness that will become your currency of the future. Because when everybody's thinking the same, we have a surplus of accountants, surplus of lawyers, surplus of doctors, and then add on top of that AI, which takes all of those industries and takes them away. What's left? Your unique genius, your unique individual prowess. Now, you are interviewing me. I've never studied. I have just self-studied. I now lecture at 15 plus universities, never been to university. I have accessed my uniqueness, which is a combination of neuroscience, psychology, futurism, and business strategy. Nobody else does this. That's why you've asked me to be on your podcast, because it's unique. That's all it is. My currency is my uniqueness. Now, how do we build trust? 
What's happened in the industrial era is that we have been on a deadline from the minute we started school to the minute we die at work. Why? At school, they call tests and exams. In university, they're called papers and theses. At work, they're called quarterly profits and deadlines. Each one of those four categories does not make you feel excited or curious. It makes you feel anxious and stressed. Yes. Yeah. Because you have to perform at that rate, so you must be stressed because your adrenaline is fueled in your body. And guess what? There's no trust when an adrenaline is fueled in your body. The system has been baked for you to be anxious with an outcome. Now, what has happened to us is we've been to become addicted to something called a high beta brainwave. And this high beta brainwave is a brainwave that says I'm highly focused, I'm attuned to the outcome, and I'm full of anxiety. Yeah. Sound familiar? Yeah. The whole world. Yeah. Kids suffering from anxiety, people who are billionaires are anxious, beautiful models are anxious, everybody's anxious. Yeah. Like, you've got everything, but you're still anxious. As Elizabeth Gilbert said, you never had control, you only had anxiousness. So it's almost like we're addicted to this anxiousness. And Dr. Joe Dispenza, one of my teachers, he says, people are addicted to lives they don't even like. And this is what's happened, <laughs> yes. is that we've become addicted to this anxiousness, right? Now, how do we move away from this beta brainwave? And how do we develop natural states of trust? How do we move away from survival into creation? And the way we do that is by changing our brainwaves. And our brainwaves need to be a high alpha, not a high beta. And so the last time you went on holiday, most people, when they go on holiday, they are the personality of a high beta brainwave person, anxious, irritated, frustrated, can't wait to get away, most probably want to get really drunk and try and forget your world, okay? Which is what most of the world does, you know? People become wine aficionados, but actually they addicted to a high beta brainwave and are alcoholics, but with class. No, no judgment, because that's what all of us need, okay? Uh, so what happens is when you come back from holiday, you're a totally different person. This person that's coming back from holiday is an alpha brainwave. And this alpha brainwave is creative, trusting, relaxed. Your husband doesn't irritate you. You've got so much creativity in your mind. You've got so much space in your head. You're making lists of things that you should do when you get back to life. You're like, oh, this, I should be doing, I should be spending more time here. I should be eating better. I should be, I should be, I should be. Two hours back at work, you'll say these exact words. I can't even remember. I was on holiday. Ow. What happened is that your personality changed. It went from an alpha to a beta. In beta, there's no trust. In alpha, there's super trust. Because yeah. you're not in survival. So how do you build more trust? Change your brainwaves. And the way that you do that is through meditation. I know this so well. I mean, oh my and God. And psilocybin. And, 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 and yeah. also what it does is it brings you back to your childhood curiosity. To that sense of new. Very good. When you're a child, but, it's like it's all alpha, right? You're just, you're taking it yeah, in. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. But also, Melissa, remember something that when you get into an alpha brainwave, you won't be watching the drama on TV and worried who's lying to you and not lying to you. The fact that people are watching that as they're addicted to drama, yep. their brain needs a hit of somebody lying to them or not, and then trying to dissect why somebody's lying to them. And this goes back to just think of a simple example. Do you have a girlfriend that always attracts an abusive boyfriend? And don't you have a friend that always has an idiot for a boss? 
Who, who is doing that? Are they doing that? Right. And so what happens on a mass scale, especially in America, you guys are professionals at it, is create drama out of nothing. And so people become hooked into this drama. You know, the English are also excellent in it, you know? They're excellent. They want to create drama. And if there's no drama, they'll look for it, create it, invent it so that their body can get the hits of that adrenaline. And so ultimately, all of this comes down to your neuroscience. And if you can understand your neuroscience and rewire and refire yourself, you never have to worry about giving up an addiction, fixing a relationship, forgiving anybody. Why? Because all of those issues that you have are linked to your current personality and awareness. When you change your awareness and personality, your frequency changes and those people that you had issues with fall off you because they're not part of your frequency anymore. So the example I used in the talk is I didn't speak to my dad for 20 years. I created an identity that was very angry with him and very happy. And what I would say is I feel numb towards him, which is what most people say when they don't want to forgive somebody. And I never started off the year trying to forgive my dad. But after two years of two hours of meditation a day and microdosing, my friend, my dad and I are friends now. And I didn't even try and forgive him, but I changed my frequency and my awareness because I I changed the way I think, act, and feel. And now the person who was angry with my dad is not me anymore. So now I have a relationship with my dad. Yeah, and you said that he didn't even change. He didn't change at all. No, not at all. He's a totally sane person, still confused why none of his sons like him because he was not involved in any of our lives. But that wasn't the point. The point is I love them. I still love him, but after 20 years, but, but don't try and forgive anybody because if you haven't changed your frequency, that person will trigger you again with a smell, a song, a music, something will happen and you'll be straight back there. So in, just, just to close this section off, there is no future. Quantum science is proving to us there is no time. There's only something called the forever now. This is a big concept because it's very, very different to Newtonian science, which says to us as linear time. But I think we can all agree that the pandemic changed the dynamics of time for us because some things feel like forever and some things zoom past us like it's happened in three seconds. So it shows us that time is malleable. So quantum science is proving to us that you get to perceive the version of reality you want based on the frequency that you have. And so you can change your reality as quickly as you want based on frequency. So as a futurist, I've now become a quantum science neuroscience specialist because I've started to realize that time is determined by us. There is no future. We are creating the future as we vibrating at different frequencies. And the higher our frequency goes, the more exciting our future becomes. So actually, there's no future. There's only the way you perceive the now that creates your future. Yes. That's actually liberating. It is. And it does. You are so good because totally exciting. <laughs> I'm totally excited. <laughs> you know, you know, my, my son is at university and you were, when you were talking about the trauma and the, and the, the anxiety, he's, his, uh, his major is neuroscience and he, with mole- in molecular biology. And he's, he, he was talking to me the other day about the, his, he's in finals right now. And I, was asked, I asked him some mundane question and he's, he's a very um, even keeled guy. Uh, kind of like a duck on water. He just looks like he's smooth sailing, but underneath his, his feet could be paddling like crazy. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With that little bit of that anxiety because tester coming up. And I said, what, what's some of, what, what are you facing right now? And he said, you know, I don't, I'm fascinated by the world of neuroscience, mom. That's why I chose to make it my major. 
but I'm but the way the acceptance level of the world outside of the university where we're, we're encouraged to think for ourselves. He has great professors that are always testing and pushing for him to think beyond the box. He said, the world outside wants you to fit right back into a box. And so he said, I wonder about that. And I can't wait to share with him this conversation to know that he can create that future. He doesn't have to wait to be told what it is. You know, the society we come from celebrated conformists. Yes. So this is the whole idea that you can drink a bottle of whiskey be on Ritalin and Prozac, and God forbid you smoke a joint. Like, <laughs> how, like, how did that become okay? And it's being confirmed into us. And another thing that everybody's now having a, a whole cadenza with is transgender kids that don't want to fit into a gender. Now, again, people complain about this, but realize something that everything is a story and a conformist idea that we 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 have created just up until recently you were all going to hell if you weren't going to church every sunday we've broken out of that construct we're like okay well that's not real but it was for thousands of years and so we have to keep questioning stories that we've kind of accepted as the norm which are not normed down to our genders which are also something that or up for question, like everything else is up for question. So I invite this newness all the time. And the conformist concept is slowly but surely starting to fade away. And this is why I said the currency of the future will be your uniqueness, not your ability to fit in, but fit out. It's awesome. Thank you. This is so good. I'm just oh, <laughs> mind blown. I'm reeling. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very Thank much. You. You're very this well, Mariel hyped you up and you certainly lived up to it, kind yeah. sir. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you, Mariel. Well, Thank you. You, are, you, are, you are important to the world. You're important because the world needs to know they're going to be okay, right? <laughs> they need yeah. a little bit of certainty until they make that leap themselves, right? Because people don't, but you've given such a, a, a de definitive way that you can go about it. It's like, like you said, you give somebody the how, it's exciting. You're like, oh, I can do that. And the beautiful thing is we're all, we, we can take responsibility for how we wake up in the morning and whether we take time to be, you know, silent, still in communication with a higher frequency, whatever it is, whatever you want to call it, whether it's a belief in God or, you know, a flower, or whatever it is. But that taking responsibility, I love that because I, we often talk on the show about taking responsibility and just, you know, owning, owning, owning yourself, owning your life, owning, you know, Melissa does energy work, owning your energy, owning your, your place in this unknown world. It's super exciting. The way that you explain it makes it, oh my gosh, it's just, I don't, I don't know. I'm excited. I don't know where I'm going the rest of the day, but I'm super excited about it. John, this has been an amazing awesome. conversation. I hope that you will come back and join us. I, I mean, Melissa, I'm sure that you <laughs> for both. I, well, I'm, I'm already writing, getting, getting ready to write out some invitations to John to be a part of my life forever. I think it's amazing. <laughs> I, 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 I think what's important that you shared more really is you've given people permission to own their lives. Mm. And that's a tagline mm. that I have for my, my work is when you own your energy, then you own your life. Mm. And what you've just mm. laid out is let me give you permission to step into your life, take ownership of it mm. and know that you hold the reins. You don't have to hand them over to whatever that big brother is, whether it's government or church mm. or whatever it is, you mm. step into mm. it. And it's a really powerful position. 
people yes. may be afraid of the power, but once once they've mm. learned how to rethink mm. and how to, I, lo- mm. I love this. Are there exercises on a quick, on the, I know we're wrapping up. Do you have like a quick one, two that you could say? Like, is it, my husband posts notes and little post-it notes are on the mirror as a mm. reminder. Do you have like little uh, quick how-to on how people can begin the rethink? I think, I think the most important thing you can do is become nobody, nowhere, in no time for as often as you can throughout the day. And what that means is lose who you are. Because the minute you lose who you are, the future becomes and anything you can create and think about. The more you are who you are, where you are, when you are, the more the predictable the future is. So find stillness in your day as often as possible so that the future becomes your blank canvas to actually paint on. So for me, meditation is all about becoming nobody, nowhere, no time as often as possible. That's amazing. John, thank you so much. Uh, everyone, please look him up. Go to John Sanai, and that's S-A-N-E-I. Do I say that correctly? Sanai? It's Sanai. It's Sanai, but don't worry. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. Well, it's not really tough, but <laughs> what a Sanai, no problem. Thank you. Sanai.com to just see all the extraordinary things that you do in the world. And, and you. you know, even though you are nobody nothing and whatever (laughs) nowhere uh definitely go there just to see what he isn't (laughs) great thank you that made sense in some world it did make sense thank you (laughs) thank you so much john amazing you are amazing i'm so excited thank you thank you so much for having me thank you Good morning, everyone. You are listening to The Morning Show with Marielle Hemingway and Melissa Yamaguchi right here on KZSB 96.9 FM and 1290 AM in Santa Barbara. And next, Energy with Melissa Yamaguchi. back to Outcomes the Sun. Thank you so much for being with us and sticking around. Well, I know that you're probably charged up like an electric volt after that amazing conversation. I was just about levitating off my seat. I was so excited with our conversation with John and his his incredible mind. So let me bring some information, if I may, about energy. In, in respect to what John has just shared with us about the futures and energy, I want to bring it into, we've talked about the bedroom before, and not in a naughty way. We've talked about the bedroom and how we create the haven for you. One of the things I want to talk to you about is, in respect of John's message of being nowhere, nobody, at no time, create that haven for you. In feng shui, we talk about removing the television, the computer, and these items from your bedroom, from your place of respite. When you remove that electrical charge in, in, in that way from your room and that symbol of work, of, of escapism, the television helps you escape. And a lot of people, and some people don't escape, they get too connected. If you remove these from the bedroom, you are 
energetically creating a field of incredible respite and haven so that you can go deep into your prayer and meditation, deep into your quiet time. And when you don't have that around you, you don't have the, the, uh, the pull to turn it on, to check one more thing on your email, remove that from your room. Now I have, I do have some friends and some of my clients who take the, the phones out of their bedroom as a as a mother of children who travel and i often want to make sure that they're okay at my own nervousness not my probably my strongest energetic highest level of knowing they're okay but my nervousness i'll keep the phone nearby where i can grab it in the event of right so i know it's difficult but don't have it right next to your bed have it across the room where you could get it uh, in a in a quick step if you needed to but creating that force field if you will of quiet and and quietness by removing the electricity from your room obviously not your lamps i'm not asking you to bring in the the kerosene and having a having an old lamp in your room but removing the television and the computers are the most important thing you can do for your energetic energy your energy to, to kind of come down to a hum right before sleep so that when you do go into sleep it's peaceful and deeper now don't go anywhere I'm telling you, just turn the volume up because the next person coming up is my gal, my co-host, Meryl Hemingway, sharing with you her best information on health, wellness, and balance. Stay tuned. Hello, wonderful humans out there. I am Roy Zatiski from MyWildlife.com, and you are listening to Out Comes the Sun with Mariel Hemingway and Melissa Yamaguchi. Hey, everyone. You're listening to The Morning Show with Mariel Hemingway, me, and Melissa Yamaguchi. That'd be me. <laughs> right here on KZSB 96.9 FM and 1290 AM in Santa Barbara. And now, Mariel Hemingway with Balance. Thank you so much for that. I, it was so great. I'm still reeling from our conversation with John. So that leads me to my tip today and creating balance. And I think it's just only in keeping you, you created the space in your room for good sleep and, and, and peaceful and quiet time. And so I'm going to talk about meditation, um, not as this concept that you can't achieve, that this, that it's something you have to do or feel or, you know, there's absolute meditation is really just time without activity, right? It doesn't mean you don't have thoughts. It, it absolutely doesn't. Because some people will say to me, I can't meditate. I, you know, I'm never going to have no thoughts. Well, neither am I. <laughs> At least not in this lifetime. I don't think anybody can really do that unless you're maybe a Tibetan monk. But the idea is that meditation really will create a new space for you, a new space. And like John has just talked about, it will create an ability to be kind of a no person in those moments where you get to be fresh and new. So there are I wanted to just share a couple of a couple of places where you might be able to 
be guided as a meditator. Um, there's there's a couple of of things that are it, gr- there are great apps out there, right? There's FitMind. There's something called FitMind, and it guides you it from you know five minute meditations to forty minute meditations. But it, it goes in a very kind of basic linear fashion and you learn how how to get to those deeper levels it's never you know required so it you know you start out slow and that's the thing about meditation if you are scared of it start with two minutes and add a minute a week i've always said that to people um what if you're just starting out and you don't have an app just you know, close your eyes, kind of look in the third eye. And what that means is that's the the point between your two eyes kind of in the middle of your forehead, kind of direct your eyeballs up there, because what that does is that guides you to a to a place where it it starts the alpha, the alpha, you know, brain waves to start kind of overtaking your body. So that's why people do that. They always say, you know, look at your third eye center. The reason is, is that it activates the alpha and the relaxation of the body and the mind the other there's another uh there's another site called headspace that is wonderful that got has guided meditations um and uh there are many people that do incredible like john talked about dr joe dispenza and he does incredible meditations uh and that and you can be guided along and going on a a a kind of vacation where you do deep dives into meditation can be life-changing, absolutely extraordinary. But I truly believe me talking about meditation, I'm not saying this is like, oh, this is a cool thing to do. And, you know, I used to, I started it doing yoga, right? I used to do yoga, but I had to do a really hard physical practice in order to calm my body down so that I could be still in my brain, right? And I realized that the reason why I had to go ferociously with the physical was that was the only way that I could be, I kind of had to exhaust myself in order to relax because relaxation is where meditation becomes very easy. So, and, 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 and so you've got, you've got that, you've got all kinds of, I mean, there's tremendous people out there t- guiding you in meditative practices. There's also something called Mind Valley, and they teach you different meditations. It's called the uh, uh, Silva Ultra Mind System. That's an incredible system of learning something deeper about your brain. So there's so many different ways that you can dive into your own ability to get still and silent. So I just, I just highly recommend just you know, do do your own little research and what resonates with you, because there will be a teacher that really speaks to your heart about this. You know, there will be a, a voice. I remember that when I first started listening to apps, certain voices just didn't resonate with me. I'm like, ah, that doesn't fit. But and then there's certain voices that you just go, ah, oh, that feels good. And you and you relax into it. So my recommendation today is learn to meditate. Thank you so much. And next. We're going to wrap it up. Well, I guess we're going to wrap it up now. Um, you know, we're wrapping up this incredible, I don't know. I just want this show to be done. I know. So good. But I mean, thank you. Let's just rewind it. Let's just go back to it. <laughs> totally. Can I, can I hear that again? 
I was like, how do I wrap my brain? Right. And then what was so wonderful is that he invited himself back. He was like, well, we can go deep into, oh. and I can't wait for everyone to hear that about work. You know, how do you adjust your brain to be more, I don't know. It's you know all- what I, something that I learned about him, as, as one thing out of 50 million things I learned in a short span of time with him, he has a rhythm to the way he speaks that taps into your ability to hear it. And as someone who is a public speaker myself and someone who educates myself, I was I was in love with that. And I've known about a, a method because I've heard rhythmic speakers. You think of Mark, Dr. Martin Luther King when he speaks, there's this rhythm to, and the cadence to the speak that allows the listeners to lean in and yeah. accept what's being said. And when I heard John say that, Meryl, did you, did you notice? I know that I speak quickly and I often tell my audience, you're going to need to listen quickly because I speak quickly and they all giggle about it. But he spoke so quickly and I don't think I missed a word. No, you don't. Isn't that interesting? I got to learn this trick oh, okay. to my husband. I got to talk real quick and make it. And he's like, what happened? <laughs> you, what, what do you mean? You just got a new car. What happened? <laughs> I bought 17 things. Don't look at the bill. <laughs> Oh my gosh, this has been a wow, what an incredible show. I'm super excited. I'm going to learn more. Thank you all for listening. You are listening to Outcomes the Sun podcast. We'll see you tomorrow, by the way, because you know, we're just well, here. It always comes up. Yeah, that's right. Thank you all. Go to MarielHemingwayFoundation.org if you want to be a part of creating a resource navigator for our Foundation for Mental Health. Uh, and always listen to Outcomes the Sun. You can listen to it in in its entirety on any kind of podcast uh, forum, Spotify, Apple, YouTube, and on YouTube you get to see our faces. Oh, choose healthy. Choose you. Outcomes the Sun. Please go to MarielHemingwayFoundation.org. Help us create a resource navigator for people with mental health issues. We're coming up with solutions. Outcomes the Sun has been a production of Evolve Entertainment. Hosts, Mariel Hemingway and Melissa Yamaguchi. Executive producer, Jeremiah Higgins. Sound engineer and producer, Richard Dr. D. Dugan. And sound engineer, Slater Smith. Thank you for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.